Welcome to the 360T Podcast, a series that features top industry professionals offering unique insights regarding how the FX market is developing around us. Hello and welcome to the podcast with myself, Galen Stops from 360T. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Saeed Amin, the founder at QMacro, which is a firm that's focused on helping market participants understand macro markets from a quantitative perspective. And he's also the co-author of a new book called The Book of Alternative Data. Saeed, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for hosting me. Very much appreciated. I'm really glad that we've got you on today because a general theme in the FX industry that everyone's talking about right now is taking a more quantitative approach to their trading activity. Everybody wants to you know, quantify it to a data-driven approach. I hear this kind of thing all the time. What do you see as the major barriers to firms that are trying to make this change and trying to become more quantitative in the way they think, react, and trade? Well, I think there's, there's several aspects to this. So one is to have a willingness to engage and to use data to try and improve the way that you trade. And the whole point is from a quantitative perspective, you need to have a lot of data. You also need to have the skills as well to deal with that data, the quant skills. But I think the, the crucial point is that there shouldn't really be as many barriers today as there were, say, 10 or 15 years ago. So I remember when I started in the industry as a, as a quantitative strategist, uh, this was 2005 at Lehman, very much looking at markets from a quant perspective. It was a bit more niche and, and not something that people did uh, on the whole. But now it's very much something that people want to embrace. And I think it's, it's going to be something that's a growing theme over time in general. Obviously, you talked about the importance of data there. And as I mentioned, data is increasingly driving more trading and business decisions. Are there any data challenges that are specific and unique to the FX market? Well, I think one challenge in the FX market is that ultimately it's a market of many different assets. Uh, and also, it depends upon the, the specific instrument. So for example, I would say the spot there might be less of an issue. But in particular, I'd say for swaps, there's always a question I get from clients trying to ask me, where can I get high quality swaps data? Um, it tends to be more of a manual market and, uh, and it's challenging to try and get data to use as a benchmark. But um, I know, for example, recently 360T are now uh, releasing swaps data based upon uh, trades on their, on their platform. So I think there are moves now to try and bring new data sets to fill these gaps and to help with the challenges of FX swaps in, in particular. And is part of the challenge just how fragmented the data pools are in the FX market? Because when you think about something like equities, it's very easy. You know where to go and get the data. You look at the exchanges and there it all is. Obviously, we don't have that market structure in FX. Does that make it challenging? Yeah, I would say definitely the fragmented nature of, of the market makes it more challenging. And also because looking at specifically the issue of swaps, it tends to, at least historically, has been much more of a manually traded market. Yeah. So ultimately, you need to have more electronification of a market in order to kind of improve the access to the market data and to generate more market data. Because then you're getting streaming pricing and that type of thing. So I guess FX has always been kind of a mover after equities. So I'd say that's also been the case with data at the same time. And we touched on the fragmentation of the market and fragmentation of data as a result. Is part of the challenge not just that it's fragmented, but there's so many different sources of it. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I'm a buy-side firm now, I might have my sell-side counterparty providing me with data. 
I might have a platform vendor supplying me with data. I might have a TCA provider offering me data. I will have internal data. Is there such a thing as having too much data? And also with so many different sources of data, how do you determine which data is valuable or more valuable than other data? Well, I think the, the point is more data is usually good in practice, but there are challenges in that the more, particularly when you're talking about high frequency data streams, the more of those streams that you're looking at, ultimately, the more the technology you'll have to look at. So let's say you've got many streams coming in from various venues, liquidity providers. If you're trying to collect all of that data and look at it, ultimately, you're going to have to have more of a essentially a higher performance tech stack to be able to capture all that data to store it and also to retrieve it and to, to number crunch it. so i'd say there's two points one is having access to a lot of data but then you need to actually do something with it if you don't have the specific technology capabilities of dealing with it then potentially you won't actually harness all the information content from it and when we talk about the value of data is there a big difference between say the value of data in spot and non-spot or g10 and em currencies is the kind of the availability of data corresponding to its kind of quote-unquote valuableness to market participants well i would say that in spot there's just a lot more data around you have easier access to it than you do for say um ndf so from the perspective of let's say for, for tca to be able to benchmark your strategies it's probably easier to do it in, in g10 space but I would say also, if you look outside of the just purely FX, uh, the price data, um, if you're talking about other sorts of data sets like economic data and even alternative data, there's probably a lot more of that available for countries within the G10 than there are in EM. So the availability of data is not purely related to the price data, but also other ancillary data sets you might wish to use to uh, construct your signal to gain insights into the various uh, currency markets. I'm glad that you mentioned alternative data there, because this is something I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, you've just written and published a book on this subject. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is, has alternative data generally lived up to the hype? Because I've talked to people in the past about it, and I feel like the example that's always given is you know, analyzing the, was it the cars in the car park or the, the shipping tankers going across their shadows is an example I'm always given. Is this kind of alternative data actually producing results? I'm not necessarily thinking specifically about FX here. Um, yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, so Alexander Denev and I have just uh, published the book of alternative data. So it's something that we've looked at a lot over the past year and actually even before that. I think it, it does depend on the asset class, uh, in particular the example that you give for, say, car parks. I've actually got an example that we've done in the book on that. So that tends to be more related to equities, I would say because you can broadly relate, say, the number of cars in the car park, say, of Tesco to the earnings performance of that. For FX, um, you do also see some results, but I think for FX in general, there tends to be less focus on this, um, maybe because there's not as many data sets, but also because when you look at alternative data sets for FX, it tends to be not as obvious as to how you use them. So it's more, more orthogonal in the way that you use it. So one example could be news data. You might look at news data related to what the Fed is doing, but the Fed may not mention the, the dollar at all, but it will still have an impact on the FX market. So you kind of need to take several steps back if you're looking at it from an FX perspective. And I'd just say in general, people tend to use it more in, in equities, alternative data. 
but I think that the good point there is that potentially there might be more opportunities within FX because simply the usage of alternative data is, is a lot lower. How challenging is it? You talked about there being kind of an extra step because the Fed might release news but not specifically mention a currency piece. How challenging or complicated is it from firms to take that next step from taking this data and then actually finding something actionable in it that can help them in their FX? I think there the key point is you've got to use your knowledge about the FX market. So if you're an FX trader to try and brainstorm and think about what types of signals you'd like to get. And then from that, you'd look for alternative data sets that can uh, correspond to that. So it's a case of kind of trying to utilize your domain specific knowledge about foreign exchange markets as much as possible to look for data sets as opposed to like a pure, I guess this is more of like a data science perspective where you just look at the data and you try and find something. So it's more trying to direct your search related to things that you think would be of specific importance for FX markets and then work from there. So build up a hypothesis based on your experience of FX markets and then from that start to think about which sort of alternative data sets could be relevant and then do some research in those areas. And I guess linked to that is what you do at QMacro. So I'm interested to hear, generally speaking, how do you take quantitative analysis and then use that to fuel macro insights? So I think the first point is you want to have some sort of hypothesis. So like I, I recently developed like an NDF trading strategy. And the key point there is I was thinking, you know, what, what would be the types of drivers of that? And I went away to look for data sets to model that. And then I went to uh, develop a, a trading strategy. So again, it's all about having the hypothesis to begin with. We might have a hypothesis about, okay, dollar yen moves on payrolls. <laughs> it's, it's kind of an obvious hypothesis. So then yeah. you go away and try to think about data sets related to that. So trying to improve your forecast of payrolls or the like. So in essence, it's about trying to think of how we can we improve signals. It could be existing signals we have, how we can augment alternative data sets to them, essentially. But I say the key point is having the hypothesis to begin with. Um, and for that, you need to have a good knowledge of what macro factors move the market, how the FX market behaves when central banks release statements and, and so on and so forth. So I'd say that the whole point is with any quant approach is you want to keep all your FX knowledge but then add to that and use quantitative techniques. It's not about starting afresh and uh, coming up with the, with the wheel again. <laughs> and then finally, I wanted to ask you, obviously, everyone is keen to monetize data as much as possible these days. It's become almost a, a cliche at this point to talk about data being the new oil. Now, while I understand that it seems pretty clear how, say, an alpha-seeking firm like a hedge fund could monetize data to improve its operations and its trading, where is the opportunity for using data and monetizing data for other firms? I'm thinking particularly of, say, a corporate treasury desk, for example. From a corporate treasury perspective, one way that they can monetize, I guess, their own data internally is to look at their own trade data. So, for example, I've developed an open source library, TCA, Piper Doing Transaction Cost Analysis. And there's obviously a lot of TCA tools out there. So the whole point there is you put your trade data on there, you combine it with your benchmark data, and then you can monetize your data set essentially by seeing how you can trade better. So from that perspective, that's monetizing your own internal data. From the perspective of a, of a corporate, it's all about how you can hedge better. So ultimately trying to see how do I perform when I'm unhedged? How do I perform when I'm fully currency hedged? 
and then to also think about some um, kind of more active signals based upon i don't know different factors like carry trend and, and so on and, and so forth but i'd also say from a corporate perspective corporates have a lot of data so they might be able to monetize it externally as well those data sets to provide insights for others at the same time and I would say that's also the same for banks or venues as well. But obviously the data sets they have will be very different. And do you feel like generally monetizing kind of internal data sets is something firms do poorly right now? I, I remember speaking to someone at a large asset management firm and they were focused on data and, and they said, honestly, that their biggest challenge was actually just trying to find the data they're looking for because it's such a large organization with so many different component parts. Is, it, is that a real challenge? That is going to be a big challenge because especially in a large asset manager, you'll have each different group. They'll be storing data in different ways. Often other groups won't know uh, the data being stored in specific silos. But just from the perspective of an asset manager, they actually have a lot of internal data. So one is their trade data. They can do TCA, I guess, to improve the quality of their execution. But also in terms of all the communications they get from brokers, so they're getting broker reports continually throughout the days and weeks. That's essentially a data set that they could potentially use to understand the market better. So each firm has their internal data that they can potentially mine and get some additional insights from that. So it's not always the case that you need to kind of sell data to an external counterparty, but you can also try and monetize it internally. There's obviously also compliance questions when it comes to monetizing your data externally. So you can't sell absolutely all the data that you have internally. Well, Saeed, that was all we have time for today. Thank you so much for stopping by. This is such a dense topic with so much to delve into. Hopefully we will be having you back on the podcast another time to analyze some different angles on this. Thanks again, Gail, for all your questions. And uh, let's have the arrange another time, maybe when the next book is out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the 360T podcast. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings.